Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, what I am going to share about this morning, actually, let's go back in time. So we started our series on who God is at the beginning of this series, I was like, yeah, I'm excited to hear about God, the Redeemer, God, the Restorer, God who does miracles and comes through on his promises. And I'm kind of going to be talking about that, but like not really. (laughs) We started this series and then life happened for me and things got hard. And I'm actually really excited to share this message with you, like really excited because It's just my life. That is what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning is just my life and my experience of God and his goodness in the midst of hardship. And I want to say I'm in a place where I'm still like, God, what the heck? I don't have answers. I haven't had all my prayers. He hasn't answered them all. Like I'm still like, God, I have grief. I have pain. But despite that, he is still really good really good. And that's kind of what I want to speak about this morning. And so I want to start off with a verse because kind of thinking about this morning, coming into this morning, I kind of knew roughly what I wanted to speak about and like where I wanted to come from, but I didn't have a word for it. And I really wanted a word. (laughs) The best that I came up with was real, but I feel like that still doesn't quite cut it. And so I one day was, I've been going through the Psalms. I was reading a Psalm and I had a verse that just stuck out to me. And so I want to share that with you because it's a cool verse and it's really encouraging. So Psalm 86 verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I was just like, whoa, that's pretty cool. And like the whole psalm is just, it's written by David and it's one where he's just like being real with God and he's, God, people are trying to kill me, help. (laughs) And help me because I know this is who you are. And particularly the word in that verse that kind of stuck out to me was compassion. And so today I want to share, all I'm sharing with you, I feel like I don't have very much, but all I want to share with you is the definition of compassion And like some examples of how God is compassionate. That's all I've got for you. So sorry, but not sorry, because it's pretty awesome. And even in preparing for this morning, I learned some things that I'd never heard before about God and about his compassion for us, which I think are quite mind-blowing and literally life-changing. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So compassion. We're going to start with the literal meaning of compassion. So if you break down... I think it's like the Latin of the word. You have com, the prefix of the word, com. That means together. That means like with us. And then the second part, passion, means to suffer or to be passionate about something, to be excited, to be committed to something. And there's just that meaning in and of itself. There is so much to it. And so that's what we're going to look at. So The meaning of the literal meaning of compassion is to suffer together, to suffer together. That tells us so much about God and about life. That means that we're actually going to suffer in life. That means life is going to be hard, but it also means that we aren't alone. 
which is amazing. If we start with the word, the prefix, the com bit, being together with us, that's not. Sometimes when I think God is with us, I think, oh, he's just in the room. Like sometimes it doesn't really feel that much. Yes, he's with us, but so what? What does that mean? But actually, com, that togetherness is intense. It means he's completely with us. And so the picture that I had for it was sometimes I feel like in life, I'm in the car with God and we're just driving and journeying along. Sometimes I feel like I'm driving and God's just like there staring out the window. Yes, he's with us, but like he's not staring out the window. The meaning of this word is that God, he's not distracted. We are his focus. He loves us. He's not distant and he's not disengaged, but he actually is there. And just while we were listening to the song, I actually, I felt like God kind of finished the picture and I felt like he was, because sometimes we feel like we have to like make it all work and we're driving the car and he's in the back seat, just, you know, staring out the window. Like I just said, I felt like during worship, God was like, I actually want to swap seats with you. I want to be the one in control. I want to be the one who's steering this and who's got it. And I want you to be in the backseat, just spread out, relaxed, and just enjoying the journey. This is the God that we have. Like he cares more about us and our circumstances than we even do, which is kind of mind-blowing and insane and crazy. This really is like quite powerful, I think, for us and encouraging to us that God is with us and that he is so present and so invested and he's completely with us. So passion, passion, the second part of that word. Passion, often by the world, passion is described as a feeling of like excitement. Yeah, just scrolling through like on Google last night, so many definitions of passion is just, it's a feeling, it's excitement. And yes, it's kind of that. But when Jesus comes into the picture, Passion means like suffer. Passion is commitment. Passion is I'm so dedicated to this cause, I will pay the price. God is committed to us. God is with us. God is completely with us, completely committed to us through all the ups and downs in life. And so I think that's pretty amazing. And I want to... Just share a verse as well because this is really cool stuff. Another verse that's kind of spoken to me recently is from the book of James and I want to read it because when we think about suffering together, it's like, well, God, why the heck would you like actually choose that? Why would he choose that? That doesn't even make sense to us. Why would you choose to be with someone and like next to them when like it's going to be hard? why? And so I think this verse gives us a bit of an answer and an insight into that. And so James chapter one, verse 18, it says, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we out of all creation became his prized possession. We are his prized possession. He cherishes us so much. We are so important to him. We mean more to him than anything else in all creation. He cares for us so deeply, so deeply. It's quite incredible. Just as a side note too, 
I just want to throw this in there. I'm usually an NIV girl, <laughs> but lately I've been in the NLT because I think the way that it just words things, for me anyway, it just feels a little bit more relatable and a little bit more relevant. And it's just so refreshing sometimes just to like hear things in a different way. And so just a heads up, I'm going from the NLT today in case you're like Googling versus like, hmm, that's not quite right. NLT is what we're in today. Okay, so that is the first definition of compassion. Literally, completely, he is suffering with us because we are his prized possession. And I want to share some stories as well today. And I want to testify as well that one of the ways that I've experienced God's compassion, and this might sound so simple and insignificant, but it's been quite incredible is just like the way that he gets me through each day. (laughs) And when you go through hard times, sometimes it's, I don't even want to get out of bed. (laughs) Pain hurts and circumstances suck. But the way that he shows up and has given me strength has been like incredible. And I've been able to like show up to things like fully. When I've had placement, he gave me everything that I needed to be able to go to placement get there and to be fully present in that and to build relationships with kids and to learn things like as a teacher. And so praise God, in my strength, I couldn't do that. In my strength, I would still be at home in a ball on the floor, just bawling my eyes out. But praise God that he actually gives me strength to do things like that, which is, yeah, amazing. And I'm so incredibly thankful for God and his strength through hard times. Another thing too is like even just experiencing his joy through hard times. I've got a friend who's recently like had a baby and even just being able to hang out with her and get to meet her baby and celebrate that with her is just so incredible and it's something that I couldn't do in my own strength because when I when I focus on me, I've got pain and I think it's a natural response when we are in hard circumstances, we do have pain. It's so easy just to go, oh, no, I don't want to be there for other people. I don't want to continue to step into the things that actually God has for me. And I think when we make that choice too, like God has joy in those things. God has lessons and, and things he still wants to like teach and grass in. And I think we actually miss out when we choose to listen to our pain And so God is amazing and he gives us strength in weak moments and hard moments. And I think that's pretty cool. Okay, so the way that I've been thinking about this too is we all know the story, how the Israelites were like in Egypt and Moses comes along, long story short, past the Red Sea and they like walk out and then they get led into the wilderness and in that place in the wilderness where they're like, they're complaining literally like all the time to Moses. They're like, what the heck? Why are we here? What are we doing? We would have been better if we just stayed as slaves in Egypt. When actually like God meets them in that place and he provides the manna. And I think so often, like I know for me, I have 110% experienced God's physical provision for physical needs. And I've got some stories about that too. But in places that are like hard or confusing, I've experienced God, God's manner of him like providing like emotionally for me, which is incredible and praise God. And I'm so thankful for that. And so I also just want to share some stories too about ways that in the past God 
like I've been in hard circumstances and like God has provided those physical things. I think there's something powerful about when it's your emotions and when it's your heart that God like ministers to, but actually like seeing that and seeing the way that God can align circumstances. I think that's pretty cool too. And God's done that for me. And so I don't think I've ever actually shared this story before, but there was a time when, so when I moved to Queensland, I was down here and like obviously moving, I need somewhere to live. And so I was down here. I found this girl through like the church Facebook page and she was just like, hey, I'm moving out. Does anyone need a place? And I was messaging her and she was like, yeah, you can have my room. Easy peasy. Done. And so I kind of thought it was like a done deal kind of thing. But then like I actually got up there and I actually never met the girl who had moved out of that room. And I went to check the place out and it was two other girls and it was a little bit awkward. But what actually kind of happened was they were just like, oh, come like check out the place. And so I checked it out. And what I found when I was there was that they were actually they essentially kind of wanted their other friend to move in. And so they're like, oh, yeah, you can like submit an application like through the real estate agent and everything. And so I did that and like never heard anything. But when I was down here, I was like, okay, this looks like it's falling into place. Like it looks like I've got a place to live. But when I got up there, it was just not like that at all. And they didn't really even want me in that new house. And so that kind of left me without a place to live, (laughs) which was a very stressful time. But what actually happened was I had some connections up there and I was able to stay somewhere for a week. And that was pretty cool that God provided that. But then like in that week, I was hardcore, like looking for a place to stay, like everywhere on Gumtree. I'm like messaging people and checking out places. And just so many of them were just like, no, this isn't going to work. But then there was actually another like person on the Facebook group who was, hey, I'm like renting out a room if anyone needs a place. And so I messaged that girl and that was actually incredible. Like she was a bit older. She was a teacher She was just so welcoming and laid back and so kind to me. And I think, you know, we kind of look at that circumstance and be like, okay, this doesn't make sense or like this sucks, it's hard. Things aren't going the way that I thought they were going to go. But actually God had something better. God had something 100% that was better, even though it was a very stressful week, me trying to find a place to stay. And so I think, yeah, that just goes to show like God cares about all of our needs, our physical needs, our emotional needs. God meets us in those places. When we are weak, when we have need, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides for every single area of our life because he loves and he cares for us so deeply. Pretty cool. Also, as I was preparing for today, I felt like God spoke something about this suffering together thing. And I felt like he said, this is God speaking. We can't suffer together if you don't let me in. And I think in terms of like dealing with pain and hardship, I'm guilty of this. I've had moments where I've gone, no God, I'm just going to go to something else and numb my pain. (laughs) But actually that's not God's heart. That's not his intention for us. His intention is to invite us in, is for us to be vulnerable and run to him. Like he cares and he loves us so much. We are his prized possession. 
and he hates to see us suffer, especially on our own. His plan and his purpose for us is that we would actually choose him. We would choose to bring those hard circumstances, that pain, whatever you're going through, because life is never perfect. He invites us to bring it to him because he cares for us so much. He wants what's best for his kids, 110%. So, yeah, I hope that encourages you and I hope that just reminds you that's his heart for every single one of you. He sees you. He knows you. He doesn't want you to do it alone. Do it with him. So far we've covered (laughs) suffering together, literally two words. All of that has been explaining those beautiful two words. I want to move on to... Definition number two of compassion. Compassion is, I kind of got a few definitions and like stuck bits and pieces from all of them together to make like a good one. (laughs) So definition number two is to feel concern or sorrow that motivates God to take action on our behalf. Think about that for a minute. God is completely with us. God shares in our pain with us. And that actually motivates him to take action on our behalf. When I read that for the first time, it just blew me away. It blew me away that God would care that much, that God would be that involved to actually show up and to do something about it, that he doesn't like seeing us in pain. That causes his heart pain. He loves you. And seeing you suffer motivates him to do something about it. He's not going to leave you there. He's not going to leave you there. And I think, too, sometimes circumstances can be so overwhelming and can be, like, so blinding. And I think what hard times and what pain does sometimes is that it can be so overwhelming to us we forget. We forget that God actually is acting on our behalf. I know, like, that's definitely what I've experienced. Yeah, times can be tough. Life sucks sometimes. But through it, he's so faithful, so freaking faithful. So one example, if you're in that place of pain and you can't see how God's working in your circumstance, we've been talking about Christmas, like the fact that he even just sent Jesus to earth. That is a perfect example of God's compassion for us. He saw our weakness. He saw that sin separated us from him. He saw that we were helpless, that there was absolutely nothing we could do about that. And he he loved us. He felt for us. And that actually motivated him to do something. And he sent Jesus. He sent his only son because he loves us, because he cares for us. Because he saw that we couldn't do it on our own. We couldn't get right with God on our own. So he made that choice. He sent his son to die, (laughs) to die for us. As a father, like, I can't imagine that, you know. That would have been hard for him. But yet he chose that. He chose that for our sake and for our good. He saw the bigger picture. Amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Another example I want to share about God having compassion is John 11. 
we're going to read a part of the story of Lazarus and how Jesus raised Lazarus to life because that is just God's compassion 110% in so many ways as well, which is pretty cool. We're going to start at John 11, verse 30. Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep, so they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And so setting the scene a little, Lazarus has already been dead for a few days. People had gathered together to grieve. This isn't pretty. (laughs) This isn't pretty. This is like pain of a lot of people all in one place. This is like rock bottom. And it's in the midst of the rock bottom. (laughs) That is when Jesus decides to enter in. And what Mary said is so true as well. Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's true. Jesus is powerful. Jesus could have healed him so that they didn't have to suffer. He could have prevented it all. But instead, he chose. He chose to let them feel the pain. And that's where he chose to show up in the story. So we're going to keep reading from verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Wouldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Wow. Wow. Jesus wanted to see for himself. He wasn't afraid. He didn't run and hide from like the pain and the thing that was causing all their pain. It's like, show me. Show me where he is. Show me where his body is. And in the midst of that, in that moment, Jesus felt pain. Jesus was grieved. He felt that. He was fully man in that moment. He saw the grief of the people. That deeply impacted him. And the circumstance itself, that hurt him. The NLT uses the word anger in there, that it made Jesus angry. Some other translations also say that he was moved in in his spirit. There is a lot of emotion that Jesus is feeling right now. He's feeling the pain of the grief and the loss, the anger about death and what it's taken from people. It's taken life. And he's not okay with that. That hurts him. Jesus felt such incredibly strong emotions, like what we feel too. He's not immune from it. He feels it. Let's keep reading. Verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, 
so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. He brought the dead man to life. He raised Lazarus. Jesus chose to enter into that circumstance to feel the pain of the people. He chose to see their suffering at a point too when their hope was lost. I think the, the fact that he'd been dead for four days was, was very significant. Like there's no hope. Like he's gone. But Jesus did what Jesus does. <laughs> Jesus did a miracle. Jesus changed the circumstance because of his love for the people. And what's quite interesting about this too is that in the book of John, this is the last major miracle that Jesus does before he actually is crucified. And so I think even just within the context of where this, where this miracle is placed in the gospel, that speaks of God's compassion. God knew what was coming. God knew that he was going to be raised to life after he was crucified. He saw the people. He knew that they wouldn't have faith. He knew them. He knew how hard it would be for them. And so what he does is he sets up this miracle. From the very beginning, you can go all the way back to the first verse in John, and it just speaks of it. Jesus knew what was going to happen. He planned it, but he planned it for their good. He planned it so that when he was crucified, when he died, that they might even have the tiniest ounce of hope. He had compassion on them. He knew their, their weakness. He knew that when people died before this, they were dead. There was no hope. But he gave them hope. In his compassion, he gave them hope. He said, look what I'm capable of doing. I am powerful. Nothing is impossible for me. And this is the miracle that you've got to hold on to through what is coming. He loved them. He loved to teach them about himself. He knew what they needed and he provided. And so tying it back around to the definition, definition number two, to feel concern or sorrow that motivates God to take action on our behalf. This story is one example of the way that God takes action. God's actions are often, most of the time, he either changes the circumstance or he changes us in the circumstance. If you're wondering, like, practically, what does it look like for God to take action? Those are pretty much the two options. I couldn't really think of much else, but, you know, never say never. There might be other things too. And I just think like this is what we've just read in John 11 is just such an incredible, hope-giving example. God can change any circumstance. He can click his fingers and it can be changed. But in my personal experience, more often than not, he wants to change me in those circumstances. He wants to change my perspective. He wants to change my heart, even when we don't understand it. And so I want to share, I want to share an example of a way that God has changed me in circumstances. 
that's been, I think, super significant just to like my life and my journey. And it was kind of a lesson that I guess laid the foundation for a lot of things. And so years ago, many years ago, when I was like an early Christian in those early days, I went, yeah, I had some hard circumstances and a lot of pain. I had a bit of like depression and anxiety. And for me, what the anxiety looks like, it was like panic attacks. (laughs) It was pretty hardcore stuff, pretty scary stuff. And that was like crazy. I don't know, like if you've ever had a panic attack, you know, but you kind of feel like you're going to die physically in your body, like things feel weird. But, but in the midst of my anxiety, God didn't, he could have, but he didn't like overnight deliver me of my anxiety. What he actually did was he actually empowered me and taught me, actually, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) And he taught me that when I have anxiety, my experience of it is that it's often what perpetuates it and makes it worse is being afraid of the anxiety. That's the best way that I can articulate it. And so what God taught me in the midst of my anxiety was that I actually don't need to be afraid of the feeling of it. And for me, that was massive. That was my breakthrough, knowing that, okay, I feel this emotion. I feel this way. It feels really weird, but I've experienced it quite a number of times. And knowing that, you know, it's just a feeling. It, it passes. And for me, that actually, that took away the power that the anxiety had over me. And that led me to being free from it. And that was a journey. It was a real journey. But God was good. He was with me in those moments when it was hard. And he helped me realize, hey, it's just a feeling. You don't have to be afraid of what you feel. And what that lesson did, it paved the foundation for a lesson that I wouldn't fully, fully learn until quite a few years later, I would say. And that is that I don't have to be led by any of my emotions, not just my anxiety, that God actually empowers us. Again, it's all in his strength. Like I would be an absolute mess without God, just saying. What he taught me from that one lesson about my anxiety was that any other emotion that I feel, any other pain that I have, any other fears that I have, any other doubts or uncertainty, any of those emotions that I feel, they're just emotions. They're just feelings. And they don't get to dictate how I live my life or the choices that I make. And that's been absolutely massive for me. I always get to choose how I live. I always get to choose what I do. I always get to choose that I praise him despite the circumstances and despite what I'm feeling. And that's been like massive and incredible and literally life-changing. And I've seen that recently through what I've gone through recently. That has been like my, my reality <laughs> is that I have this pain. Most days I go home and cry for half an hour. But then I can like be like, okay, that's just a feeling. (laughs) And I actually get to, you know, show up to places. As I was saying before, like the way that God gets me through every day is that I don't live by my emotions. I live by him and his promises. 
which is awesome. And so I want to share um, a verse. We're jumping to Philippians this time because it's so good and so amazing. And so Philippians verse 6 to 7, you're probably all very familiar with it, but I'm going to read it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The past few months, this has been my literal experience. (laughs) Like this has been my life. God's peace has been actually insane. (laughs) God has peace for us, for every single one of us in the tough times. There is a place where when we make that choice, we choose to suffer with him, we choose to pursue him, we choose to spend time in prayer with him, we get it all out, we give thanks for the good things, but we're real with him about like what we're feeling, what we're experiencing, and every single time he gives peace for me. That has 100% been my experience. There's always, 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 always peace because I'm choosing him. And this is this peace that I, I've been experiencing. It's not a peace that I would say like I've experienced in the past heaps, but I know that I'm living in a place now where I'm more surrendered to God than what I ever have been. I'm not trying to force my own way. Peace comes when we actually let go, when we actually give it to him, which is very scary sometimes, but he meets us in that place. Always, always, always. Always peace. And sometimes it's annoying because it's like, God, this doesn't even make sense. I don't have the answers that I want to have, but I have your peace. And that, that gets me through. That spurs me on. That encourages me that, okay, I'm doing something right. <laughs> I don't have all the answers. I don't know half of the time it's like, what the heck am I doing? But it's like, okay, I have your peace, God. You're with me. Your presence is literally with me right now. And you're proud of that too. <laughs> And so just to finish up, I want to jump back to John 11. Sorry that we've been all over the place with verses today. That's just come out the kind of morning that it's been. I want to go back and revisit something in John 11 that I did not share with you yet because I think this is what God wants to speak to us today. So John 11, verse 20 to 24, I think it is, it says, When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, She went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And I think from this passage, Martha has really, really, really good intentions. She's like, yes, God, I want to hold on to you and what you're saying. And what she even says, like in the start of that, verse 22, she says to Jesus, but even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She is declaring her faith in Jesus. You can do anything, God. And yet Jesus responds, Jesus speaks, Jesus tells her what he wants to do for her. Jesus says, your brother will rise again, plain and simple. And then Martha has such a human response. She's like, yeah, let me fit that into my theology. (laughs) 
And she goes, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. I relate to Martha. I don't think she wanted to be disappointed. And that's all fair and good and well. But, but this is where I want to land today. Don't ever settle. If God speaks to you, if God has given you a promise, don't make it fit into your circumstances. Ever. If God has spoken, he will do it. He is faithful and reliable. God wants to show up for you personally in your circumstances, in all that is in your life. God is completely and totally with you. You are his prized possession. And he's got so much for you. If you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, you aren't experiencing the fullness that God has for you. Don't be okay with that. Don't settle for that because it's available. He promises it in his word. He loves you. He's got so much for you. Don't let your circumstances, don't let your pain, don't let your doubt or confusion, don't let that dictate what you'll settle for in life. God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. He loves us. He's near to us. Don't let it just be words or don't let it be something that you read in scripture. Let it become your reality. And if it's not your reality, pursue him. Pursue him wholeheartedly. One thing that I forgot to say earlier is that every single time when I have gone to God and surrendered to him and when I've actually asked him for help, it sounds silly, but I've only learned this within the past year or so. Every single time I've gone, okay, God, help. I can't do this, Lord. Every single time I've asked him for help, he's helped me. Every single time. And he wants to do that for you too. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to invite you in. He wants you to ask him for help. Because we cannot do this life in our own strength. We cannot do it in our own strength. We're going to be messy and things are going to be so much harder than what they need to be. And I'm not saying that God is going to instantly change your circumstances. He might. He can. I think more often than not, he wants to change us, though. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to change our experience of him into something better and something so much more. So let's pray. God, thank you. Words don't even come close to expressing the gratitude that we have for you. You see all things, you know all things, yet your love is unconditional. You have compassion towards us, towards every single one of us, God. You are with us. You are engaged with us. You are not distracted. You are not busy. You don't overlook the small things. You see the things that are important to us and they're important to you too. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you're the best father ever. You're all we need. You sustain us. You turn our morning into dancing, our night into day. You are good. Let us hold on to your goodness, Lord. Teach us your ways. Teach us how to position ourselves so that we can receive all that you have for us. Thank you for your compassion, God. Thank you so much. Let it change us. 
let it change us, God. Let it heal us. Thank you, Jesus. You can do all things. Let us not just say that like Martha. Let us actually believe that. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.